Hi everybody, welcome to Wrong Term Memory, as always, it's me, Jack. And it's me, Colin. Welcome to Wrong Term Memory. And a big hello to all our patrons, you're our favourite people. Jack, yeah. how are you? You alright? Eh, we're all pals here. Um, I feel like a bag of empty washing right this minute, mate. Uh, I feel <laughs> rubbish. But I'm here recording. Um, I'm actually looking forward to it, but I'm tired. I'm going to be going to bed pretty early tonight. I had one of those sleeps that I'm sure we've all had where you wake up like every hour in the dot, basically, until, of course, the last hour when your alarm goes off at like 8 o'clock and that's your deepest sleep you've had all night, the yeah. usual. Uh, but I mean, apart from that, my back's killing us. <laughs> I feel like complaints today. How are you? I'm actually okay, mate. Yeah, I'm not bad. I'm a wee bit tired, but listen, I like giving people a little peek behind the curtain. It's We're recording on a Monday night, which is great for us. Yeah. Um, but I stayed up late on a Sunday because it's still the weekend. I stayed up and watched Succession last night and fell asleep on the couch. Um, I woke up and it was six o'clock in the morning. I was like, oh, Christ. Right, okay, I've, I've slept on the couch all night. I'll, got, I'll get three hours if I got to bed now. And then I looked at my phone again and it was nine o'clock. <laughs> so <laughs> I literally lost three hours genuinely in the blink of an eye this morning. Mm. Um, but no, I'm good. Um, busy old day at work. This is pod two of four that I'm doing tonight. Mm. Get them all out of the way because it's a bit of a busy week this week. So um, lots of stuff going on. Um, pod stuff, non-pod stuff. So it's all good. But yeah, this, I'm looking forward to this. It's a bit of a... I revisit some we did previously and then some other kind of new stuff, so this this should be good fun. Yeah, I think the the we did phobias but about maybe about a month ago. Actually quite a popular episode. I think maybe I think that sometimes you look upon a title, you know, like yeah. when you name a pod and people get interested in it. Because it's numbers. Oh, well, right. we, we, yeah, we I, looked, I, looked really, the, uh, I looked at the numbers and it was it jumped up from something like eighteen thousand the week before to twenty three thousand for that one for listeners. So it's that's not bad going, yeah. It's not bad going at all, yeah. Uh, decent numbers. So um, I thought I would revisit it and just title it part two of that. But we've only got uh, like eight phobias this time instead of about fourteen or fifteen. So there's other lists of stuff that I hastily um, googled about fifteen minutes ago because I just woke up. I just nice. woke up, but uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll back to the back to the phobias. We'll we'll jump in there. Um, and the first one actually, <laughs> we're both sitting here. Lots of people will know what we look like. Lots of people won't. But we've both got beards, basically, and yes. there is an actual fear of beards, and it's called pogonophobia. Pogonophobia. Yeah, and as always, see that this is why. See, the first time we done this, I, I just realised that every phobia basically said that this usually stems from an alarming incident. Um, so this one is obviously involved an alarming incident with a a bearded person, basically. <laughs> for some reason, the, <laughs> the the beard is it that it hides somebody's face? Maybe is it like is it like the male version of makeup a beard? Oh, that's a good question. I hate not I, having a beard. I think I look fucking ridiculous without a beard. It's definitely an enhancer. Like it's, it depends though, because you you do get good beards and shit beards, don't you? Um, no, yours looks okay. Um, makeup can makeup can do magic, whereas a beard can only. Add to what's already there. I think I don't think, and I don't think somebody suddenly grows a beard and they become, they go from, 
Ian Dewey to Brad Pitt. There's a reference. Right. right. Oh, no. Well, I think a real reference would probably be uh, Graham Potter with him without a beard. <laughs> yeah, he did. He glowed up, as they say. He totally, uh, <laughs> he totally glowed up, man. Like, he looked like a totally different person with a haircut and a beard. Yeah, he really he's did. That, London, that, that London money does to you, doesn't it, when he starts hitting that Chelsea's cash? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I still think that makeup can do wonderful things to people. Like makeup, I'm trying. I'm being very careful when I say this because I don't want to be offensive. Makeup can make someone who isn't attractive look very, very attractive. Um, you like a beard quite does that to the same. I don't think a beard then. quite does that level of um, trickery, black magic. Jiggery pokery. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it. I don't think it does. Um, I've had a beard since. Oh God, mate! I've had a beard about twenty years now. Um, I don't think I could not have one. I, I I shaved for my for my wedding day because I convinced myself that beards were a fad, and I wouldn't want to look back on wedding photos with a beard, and think, oh, God, I was following a fashion thing back then. I was a hipster back then. But yeah. as soon as I shaved for the wedding, I kind of regretted it. Um, and obviously, um, grew it back immediately, and I've never lost it since. I, I don't think I could be without it. it I, I don't think I look right without it. I think I look a bit a feminine without a beard. Actually, I think I've got a kind of a, a strange face. Um, so yeah, I think I've I got a face a like a fucking dinner plate without a beard, man. I think because <laughs> <laughs> I'm ginger um, as well. It's just a big pasty number, man. It's just a big yeah. white dinner plate. I hate it. Beards um, are a pain though because like they introduce you end up having to have stuff like this, Jack. I'm holding up and showing you various beard grooming tools uh-huh. and things that you have to then add into your routines. I've got a comb here, I've got cocoa butter, I've got a beard thickener, which is a visibly thick and full beard vitamin B and caffeine spray. Right. Okay. What's that all about? Why are we doing this to ourselves? Yeah, like the I very rarely put stuff in my beard. My mum bought me a beard kit and it's got like that wee wooden comb thing you've got yeah. and beard oil. But generally, I, I don't put a lot of product in my beard. It does need a trim just now, but because I've got like, I become a, can't say I look like a psychopath sometimes because I will twist. You bits out, don't you? I'm a twister man. Yeah, yeah, like I will sit and twist and it does make me look like I'm a little bit demented. Yeah. But, I've yeah, have you got special beard shampoo for the shower? No, just whatever's whatever's there. Okay. Be that um, her shampoo, her conditioner, or just body no soap. You call it. Okay. I've got a special beard shampoo from Lush that I use that I quite like. It's very nice. It smells lovely. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe I should because this question a little bit. This is going to be disgusting, but I'm just going to be out there. Sometimes you'd get like. Is it beard? It looks like beard dandruff almost. Yeah, beard ruff. Yeah, it's... beard If you've got, especially see if you got like a black t shirt or something on, mm, you've got happen, to make yeah. sure you've got to make sure you've given it a right good washing the night before or whatever. If you're going to wear black the next day, because even after a day or two, it just you get the, 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 those wee bits of fucking dandruff basically, man. Horrible. Just do use, use a beard shampoo, and then when you're using your conditioner and your hair, put a wee bit of that in it as well, and you'll be jammed. Put conditioner. I put like if if Karen's been in the shower and the shampoo and conditioner there. I'll use it on my face and that, yeah. If it's not there, it's just uh, uh, whatever's there. Whatever's there. In a lot of ways, we are we are very very different people. <laughs> yeah. So I so these people would like they wouldn't be friends with us. They would probably get anxious if they could see the video that we were recording. Well, not recording the video, but if they could see us having a conversation just now, it would yeah. probably make them a bit nervous and feel a bit on edge. 
Um, the next one is a 50-50 split here now um, <laughs> <laughs> because one of us does and one of us does not have hair to go yes. with the beard. So the next one is a fear of hair called uh, chetophobia. Uh-huh. Uh, chetophobia is a fear of hair. Uh, this phobia can be a fear of one's own hair. Man. Other people's hair or even animal hair. Um, they can be extremely afraid of a hairball on the ground, afraid of combing their hair, and they often find it extremely difficult to even get haircuts and will generally avoid situations where other people touch their hair. Um, yeah, I can't imagine being scared of hair. Like, hair's, hair can be annoying. Like, I've got long hair, and every now and then when I'm eating something, I'll end up with a mouthful of hair. Like, a bit of the, one of my strands from my hair will end up in my mouth, and it's disgusting. It's like the worst thing in the world. But it doesn't make me scared of my hair. Like, there's a lot, I think, for all the bad things that hair does, there's good things, it does more good things. I love my hair. Yeah, I'm, see, I'm very on vain when it comes to stuff like that. I started getting involved really young. I'd say, like, both my dad and my grandfather had nail pattern baldness, the shoehorn, basically. Um, mm. And so I kind of got that on the go, but I just do the number the double zero all over now, not even a one or anything like that. I just get it right down to the bone when I get, when I have a wee haircut because otherwise it just starts to look a little bit patchy. And like I says, I've never been, I've never been vain. I mean, I've got a pal who got the the whole transplant stuff and things like that, and he's like three or four years younger. He got it like when he was in the early thirties. But like I'm saying to him, like, you're settled down, you've got a kid, blah blah blah. Like I don't, I don't get it. I I don't get the vanity when it comes to it. But I'm sure it's more, I mean, it's, it's more deep seated than just being vain. I would imagine it is. It very much it is. Like, yeah, it totally is. Like, I think if, if I started, to, I'm, I'm, I've got quite long hair. I'm quite lucky. I've got my hair down just down to my shoulders at the minute. Um, but if I started to go bald, I would go to Turkey and do something about it. I would go and get the transplant, do something. But if um, it's more than I, vanity, then what, 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 what is it that would make you? Go, go to Turkey if it's not just... I just, I like having hair. Hmm. I like having hair. I don't think I would suit being bald. I think I'd be quite ugly with bald hair. And I'm not that beautiful to start with. So I would... I, I just think I'd really struggle to not have hair. I've always had hair. Even when I had short hair, I always always enjoyed going to the barbers. I always enjoyed buying hair products. I always enjoyed trying to make my hair look half decent. Not having hair would be... I don't know what I'd do. I'd struggle for like... I'd get ready for things a lot quicker, but it would be, I'd be lost without it, I think. <laughs> yeah, get ready in 25 seconds jig time, man. Yeah, Good like it, it literally takes five minutes to dry my hair after the shower, so. I know, that's is, I, that's is it. it's something I had from, from a young age and it's never really bothered me. Again, this can, a traumatic experience involving hair, and that includes stuff like getting a bad haircut when you're younger or whatever. Like, I remember my mum uh, we got clippers like were well, brand new when I was about I don't know nine something like that ten and so I've just cut your hair but I was like right okay but she put like a mad fucking just, like shape round my ear rather than just I don't know she made a contact basically yeah I went out of school and got relentlessly bullied for it that day and had to oh, go to mate. the actual the actual barbers like after school I was like right, you need to take me to the fucking barbers I'm getting bullied because the mess you made in my hair. So that could have really it's, fucked me up, but I never. Could have done. Yeah, you could. It's funny. I've never known you not to have to have hair. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you when you were younger and you had hair. So 
you don't, to me, that's just how you look and it suits you. But I, I do think you suit not having a lot of hair. I think it suits your your whole look, your whole thing. It, it, it works. Whereas for me, I don't think it would. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine you. I'm trying to just put me hanging around and see Yes. See, again, it must be it's a psychological thing. I think you'd look all right in there, mate. Um, oh, see, I don't think I would, honestly. I don't think I would, but mm-hmm. thankfully, I don't have to worry about that quite yet. A couple bonus phobias linked to that are uh, trichophobia and trichopathophobia, um, fear of loose hair. So I think a lot of people with that sort of pull hair out. Um, mm-hmm. And the other one that I said, the second one, uh, trichopathophobia, is the fear of hair disease. Which can include baldness or a change in hair colour. But I know one of them's a picker, but hair, like you, you pick hair out when you've got one of them. Yeah. Um, Bald patches, man, which is shit. I've told you this before. I don't know if I've told you it on here before. This can make me an absolute fucking freak. I pull the hair out my legs. Like, I don't yeah, mean all I, of it. I think you actually told me this. No, like, we've been recording for years together, but I think you told me this about <laughs> a month ago. Oh, did I tell you? Yeah. And... I don't know why I do it, but like, if I'm sat in the couch or I'm sat somewhere and I'm. I think it's like a stress thing or an anxiety, a really, a really low level anxiety thing because I've got, I'll have I get hairy, I've got hairyish legs, not ridiculously so. I'm not sitting here pulling them all out or anything like that, but I literally just pull random hairs out, and it's sore as fuck, but I still do it. Yeah, I I pulled a couple of white hairs out my moustache the other day, one by one, like proper white, like proper proper white. Again, it's something that I don't. Uh, fear, really. I did pull I it out though. I could, give you, I could give you some beard dye to get rid of them if you want. <laughs> yep, dye. I've dyed my beard before. I, I, yeah, I, dye, I dye mine every month. When did um, you do it? I was going. <laughs> I was, there's a band called Thirty Six Crazy Fish, right? And they're like a mad, like, I don't know, they're like a hardcore fucking rock band or something for America or something. And I went with Wee Gordon, um, and I just dyed my beard darker. Like, okay. Just for going here like a, a gig, uh, I felt like I felt like a fucking dick. Did you look like Ryland? Uh, maybe. I I might have looked a bit like that. I might have went a wee bit too dark. Because my I might, like even though I'm ginger, it's not like proper. It's like because you, you you know yourself when you see ginger people with ginger beards, it's not the same color as that as your hair. It never is. It's, no, it's a sort of different. So it's not, it's not like it's yeah. proper red in my face. But I went a little bit darker for a. Well, for a rock. Um, <laughs> uh, Ry- Rylan, Rylan uh, off the telly that I mentioned, he is ginger. Is he? He's he's proper ginger, him. But he <laughs> dyes his hair and his head and he dyes his beard. Is like, he? And it's, it's jet, but it's a jet black. And it's how he dyes it. But he is ginger. Yeah, Google Ryan Clark, Ryan Clark ginger. I'm, I'm sure there is some pictures. Oh, no way. <laughs> he is he just like... dyes it all the time. Oh, he is ginger. Yeah, he's, 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 it's not even a tinge. He is absolutely ginger. Totally ginger. Aye. I don't know where I got pictures probably for about 25 years, 20 odd years ago. But he was uh, bullied for being ginger. Oh well. That's what, oh well. That's, that's what happens. <laughs> you, you do get bullied for being ginger. That's it does. That is a sad part of life. It's it's one of the last acceptable kind of isms. Gingerism. Gingerism. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, they still get it, sadly. Aye, poor bastards. Um, <laughs> it's because they've best, got no souls. Yes, that was it. I did the South Park episodes and shit like that didn't help about that. <laughs> uh, vest, vestaphobia, fear of clothing, mate. 
So again, okay. manifestation has a fear of a specific garment at times, and for others it might come from a fear of tight-fitting clothing that causes one to feel constrained, um, or others just feel like it's a fear of all clothing. Sometimes it's an allergy to a specific type of fabric, or again, as always, some sort of traumatic event associated with a certain piece of clothing. For example, there have been cases where former soldiers... Right, I can get this one. Former soldiers develop a fear of, like, military clothing. Or any work uniform, I suppose. It would be work, wouldn't it? I can really get the the army one, especially. I would think that was more like PTSD and stuff like that. Again, not a fucking doctoring show. So um, I'm just sort of thinking that. But, yeah, I suppose any... The next one we're talking just... We may as well just sort of... Smash, smoosh these two together when you're talking about work uniforms because the next one is just about a fear of work. Ergophobia. Um, the fear yeah. of work. People with ergophobia tend to have extreme anxieties associated with their place of work or work environment. Many doctors believe them just to be lazy bastards. I, I, sorry, I'm deviating from the script there. <laughs> um, some have, may have a fear of manual labour. <laughs> lazy bastards <laughs> or the act of working itself lazy bastards well others could have a fear of finding a job lazy bastards um all of these cases would be classified as ergophobia that's amazing i swear to god if there's somebody in the uk just now getting like enhanced benefits jack because they've got ergophobia I- i'm gonna not do anything but just just kind of go tut <laughs> somebody fill a fill a personal independence plans man because they've got a fear of looking for a job. A fear of looking for a job, but honestly, <laughs> fuck, man. Um, apparently, the fear of work can lead to anxiety attacks and impair a person's ability to function professionally. It can also have a huge impact on a person's life, as most people need to maintain a job to survive. Ergophobia may stem from a occupational burnout, where a person becomes so stressed and exhausted by their job that they feel they can no longer complete it. It can also be associated with negative work experiences like an abusive employer or poor work-life balance. It's funny how there's never one of these phobias about breathing. That's there like people tend like things you have to do. That's that's okay, but getting a job, there's one ergophobia. I don't get me wrong. Like, like there's, there's obviously like just like general anxiety disorders and social like social anxiety disorders and stuff like that, which I very much think are real. You know, of course they are. Um, Absolutely, and that can completely impact your ability to do your work to some sort of degree, but the, the way they specified this, it's a fear of work. I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like it would be in the the DMV. Um, I hope. I think this list is taken from that, that things that are actually in that, you know, like a, a, a medically, um, not actually medically sound, but that, that's in that book anyway. It's, yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like an official thing. This, this is actually an official thing. Aye, aye, aye. Aye. So, a specific fear of work. Just I'm sure it is a real thing. It's just, I'm sure some people find it quite handy, though. Oh, aye, aye of course. Aye, big thing, a big thing. Um, <laughs> the statistics <laughs> are so, so fake. So it is. I love it. Say what it means first and then say the word. Yeah, so this, this is a, a fear of making decisions. <laughs> So, and it's got, doesn't it sound real at all? Decidophobia. <laughs> it sounds a bit like a dinosaur. Decidophobia. So, making any kind of decision. Yeah. See, 
Oh, I don't see the, the person naming this phobia just had it, obviously had it because they just shoved the word decide in the stunt of phobia. Well, they could be bored looking up some sort of fancy Latin word for it, so they <laughs> oh. just decided to go for I can't make any decisions, so decide the phobia will do me. They don't trust their own opinions, it's, it's more probably um, like not having uh, confidence in themselves to make the right decision and probably rely on others to make a decision or help them make a decision. May even turn to external sources such as astrology for advice. Decide if it could be part of a larger mental health disorder called dependent personality disorder. One of which symptoms of dependent personality disorder is relying on others. Yeah, um, dependent personality so it's that. I knew something that was codependent which we spoke about before I think. Yeah. Ago, but, that, but that's not quite the same thing. Um, but yeah, no, cause that'd be shit. Right, so I was going to say, yeah, it's, I think this is different because this, this will be somebody who, in theory, is capable of making decisions but is scared of doing it and can't do it rather than somebody that physically or mentally isn't fit to make a decision or isn't trusted to make a decision. Do you know what I mean? And do you know what? See, over the years, like, maybe times, like, when you've been or I've been having mental mental illness, you know, you're depressed, you're anxious, blah, 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 blah. I see making decisions, even we yeah. things. It's mad how, like, it can impact that. Like, see, when you're, when you're particularly depressed or whatever, yeah. like, even just, like, picking something to watch on the telly, is it, like, we things like that, like, things that should just be a case of do that, you, you, you do sort of struggle with. So that see, must be the, more... just the very, very extreme version of that, you know, just not yeah. being able to make any decisions. See, yeah. my experience is more of I've probably made decisions in life that I wish I'd been unable to make <laughs> if I could go back and change them. Do you know what I mean? Well, Maybe I too, too easy decisions at times. Well, that, well, that's another thing. Making bad decisions um, can, again, come hand in hand with just different types of mental illness. You know, just doing their own thing, doing doing things that are uh, have negative outcomes or could possibly have negative outcomes. Just see me fucking doing a lot of drinking, taking drugs and all that sort of stuff. That's all sort of based in some sort of, um, without getting all pop psychology is here, it's like, alongside self-medicating, like when you're, it's risk-taking, it's, like it's taking risks um, that could have negative outcomes, basically. Yeah, you absolutely. Don't, you don't particularly care. You don't particularly think about the negative outcomes. Because of your mental state. Um, yes, the next one. I'll the next leave. one looks an, an easy one to say, doesn't it? Um, so it's the, it's the fear of mirrors, and it's called it's called <laughs> It's called isopro. Fucking hell! Right, hold on. Don't don't help me. I want to do it. Isoptrophobia. Isoptrophobia. Is that right? Is optrophobia. I don't know how to um, say it. It's the first time I've ever seen this word. So yeah, um, it's a fear of mirrors, and uh, the phobia is sometimes referred to as spectrophobia or catoptrophobia, which are both mm. far easier to say. Um, people why with this fear are, 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 are um, just it, it depends if you're what well, about the mirror you're looking, isn't it? Um, people with this fear are unable to look at themselves in a mirror. The fear may also extend to any reflective reflective surface. Um, the fear may stem from superstitions about mirrors, uh, breaking a mirror and believing that it will cause you bad luck. 
Um, others may fear that you'll see something supernatural in the mirror, like a ghost or the Candyman. Um, <laughs> uh, esophobia can develop from low self-esteem. A person may feel ashamed of their physical appearance and not want to see it in the mirror. And that can then lead to depression in some cases, which requires professional treatment in forms of counselling and medication. Surely all these um, fucking phobias can lead to severe depression, man. <laughs> if you can't fucking think so. look at, if you can't imagine, imagine you were you were like had that fear of hair and you could never pet a dog or something like that. That would oh, make you sad, man. You'd be like, oh, I'm gutted yeah, all the time. Look at that dog. I've got the fear of it because it's got hair. And these people but, that have got a fear of mirrors just must look like shit all the time. Aye, aye, well, aye. Couldn't you put your beard oil in the right place or whatever? You couldn't, like, you couldn't. It's, it's, I, I use mirrors quite a lot. Like, I've got mirrored wardrobes in my bedrooms. I've got a big full-length mirror in the hall that I look at as I leave the house. Um, I don't know. Do you know what I, I'll tell you, you talk about doing the beard oil. Do you know what I do my beard oil in front of? No. I do it in front of my, I do it in front of my iPad with the with the camera on, <laughs> do it, like using the cam, using the iPad like a wee kind of compact mirror. All right, okay. But somebody with this phobia couldn't do this podcast. They'd be me and you're doing just now, sitting talking to each other and seeing each other on the screen. Oh, I could you, you see yourself? Yeah. Again, again, this is the first one I've read that sort of mentioned about being superstitious. Imagine being that superstitious, believing that uh, sort of stuff like that that you couldn't look. In a mirror, or you were feared of seeing the candy man. Fuck that. Yeah, it's kind of, I suppose it kind of links into a bit like our friend Andy. He, with the way he kind of sees things, superstitious things, and aliens and all that. Right. Um, <laughs> like, crazy stuff just kind of gets in the way. Yeah, because he, he, if I remember rightly, he was in Newcastle and looked up in the sky and saw a flying saucer once. Um, was it Newcastle? I thought it was yeah. Knightswood. Or maybe it was Knightswood. It was very used to stay. Yeah, maybe it was Knightswood then. And now he drinks tea just with a teacup. He never puts it on a saucer because of that, because he's got the fear of it now. <laughs> That's what he does. Oh, the next one, again, sounds like it's just sort of made up. Well, <sighs> dinophobia. Is it? Is that how we're seeing that? Fuck no. No, <laughs> wait a minute. D E I P N O phobia. Deepnophobia. Dip. Di- it sounds like dipe no phobia. <laughs> dipe no phobia. Um, basically the fear of dining with others manifest as a fear of dinner parties never in my life have I been to a dinner party they are not once fear of dinner conversations 100% or having to carry out conversation while <laughs> eating yeah I can't be, it's more like I just can't be bothered with it um, again maybe related to underlying social phobias yeah 100% I, I definitely think a lot of these phobias are just a more specific version of a general anxiety disorder or a social disorder type thing. See, I yeah. quite I enjoy I enjoy going out for food with people, I enjoy Don't dinner parties it. and all that, but I would never go a first date for food. Sitting eating in front of somebody you don't know, I think's a bit weird. I wouldn't do that, I don't think. Uh no, no, I've no no. Um I I hate hate sitting down and eating with people. <laughs> like, I quite my, like it, it's nice my boss is leaving at the end of the month and he's having a sit down meal and I said to him I'll be there I'll be there after you finish your meal mate I don't oh, like you just won't even again. go to that nope, nope. where is it, what's the restaurant uh, well I can't mind somewhere up the town 
So even if it's what if it's a really good restaurant that you'd love to eat in, would it would that not sway you? No, I wouldn't. Uh, no. Nope. I've never been. I've never been to. I've never been. I've been to all a lot of the nights out in the in the work, but never go um, to eat. People might hit them weird. I turn up. I just turn up. I just turn up forty five minutes and we're late. <laughs> Have you never done any of the podcast nights out with the Heart and Hand guys, like going for a Mister Sings or we made the meal at Ibrooks? No, did you not do any of that? Um, I've been to one about four years yeah. ago. One of the first, very very first ones. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and where was it? Was it Ibrooks? We did. We did one in the Ibrooks restaurant, and then it's usually been Mister Sings after that, isn't it? Yeah, I've not been to any of the Mister Sings one. No, and. Um, yeah, hate them. Don't. <laughs> Fair it's enough. not like a fear of them. Like, I just don't like them. That's true. I don't. Put, I, don't I, mean, I know that stage in life where you don't like something. Do what I'm definitely not going to do. <laughs> Fucking do it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It's a, it's a good. It's a good stage of life to get to if you can. <laughs> if you can do that and get away with it, then do it. Absolutely. Uh, right. We'll wrap this up with the fear of phobias. The phobophobia. phobia. <laughs> <laughs> That's not that word. Yeah. Phobophobia. Okay. This supposedly can be described as a free floating anxiety. Again, just a fucking social anxiety, I think, basically. A circle of anxiety due to having just putting yourself in a fearful situation, which is kind of understandable. That's just the whole generic social anxiety thing. You don't want to put yourself in a social. Something will make you feel anxious. So, of course. Yeah, nobody wants anxiety, nobody welcomes that. Yeah. Often avoid social situations. It's just a social anxiety, that one. But yeah, so that'll do for phobias, but I don't want to shortchange the listeners by just doing half an hour, so we'll take a list each the seven things on it, right? Right, okay. I will take uh, this, I will tell you about seven superstitions about cats for five minutes. Okay. You can tell Um, me about seven something, right? Oh, okay, so, that's it. Right, cats. Seven superstitions about cats. Cats are gossips. You ever heard this one? That's I, no, I didn't have that's a new one on me. Yeah, so the, this is in the Netherlands, supposedly. Yeah, apparently believed to be gossipy little creatures who will happily blab all of your deepest, darkest secrets. And for that reason, a lot of people will try not to have important or private conversations while there's a cat in the room. Just in case Can I just say that picture they've used of a cat is absolutely beautiful? Oh, the wee, uh, the wee yellow-eyed one. Yeah, they're um, with the wee ears. They're, they're a special type of cat. Yeah, that's a really cute cat. Uh, a grooming cat means unexpected visitors are coming. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's in Japan. So if a cat washes its face with its paws, it's not just grooming, it means that there's visitors on the way. Um, similar superstitions in other countries as well, with some people in the US expecting a visit from a member of the clergy. If a cat starts cleaning its whiskers, um, a sneezing cat is lucky, you know, and that's an Italian thing. Okay. If you hear a cat sneezing in Italy, it's supposed to be good luck. Specifically, if your pet gets the sneezes, it means there's money coming your way. And if a bride okay. gets a cat sneezing on a wedding day, it means the marriage will be a good one. Beware, though, uh, while one sneeze might be good luck, if a cat sneezes three times, it supposedly indicates that you're going to come down with a cold yourself. You know. Okay. Right, we've all heard the black cats can be unlucky. I've got a fully black cat, but uh, they can also sink ships. Um, and that's due to the ancient belief that black cats are associated with the goddess Bastet. 
and keeping one would bring her favour. Maybe it's to do with the European conviction that witches had black cats as familiars, so they were evil omens. One black cat superstition you might not have heard of is that if a black cat walks onto a ship and then back off, the ship will sink on its next voyage. Now, you see, I think a lot of these things would have come from something that happened once. You know? Yeah. Totally. Like it happened once. I like Captain Cook was like, ah, fuck, they're a cat, and then the ship sunk. It was because of the cat. Yeah, fucking cat. Fucking cat. Right, our cats can raise the dead. And that's, I was going to, if I, if I was going to have to taken a guess as to where that would have been, I would have said Mexico, but it's not. It's in southern Europe. Um, if a cat jumps across a person's grave, they will rise again as a vampire. Yeah. Mm, okay. So that was a 19th century a guy called William Henderson um, was writing about this, and they recounted it in England. A cat once jumped over a coffin during a funeral, um, and no one was willing to move it until the cat was killed. That's a shame. Maybe yeah, cat. that's a shame. Well, I suppose you're in the right place to kill something, um, but it's still a bit of sad to be killed. The cat was doing was just jumping over a box, really. Mm. We've all heard of cat ladies, and we seem to think that they're a little bit mental or whatever, but. Um, so that, that's that's just popular culture that's um, turned cats into a symbol of eternal singledom. Uh, according to one book uh, on Pennsylvania German tradition, cats can help a woman who is anxious to get married. All she has to do is feed the cat from her shoe. Obviously. Oh, no. Okay. And then Hopefully it's dry cat food. Yeah, we're talking about dry cat. Well, we're going to talk about wet cats now to wrap this shitty little section up. Um, wet cats can make it rain. So you might suspect that there's some cause and effect confusion going on here, yes. Um, but in parts of Indonesia, cats are associated with the weather. If people wanted it to rain, they'd pour water on a cat. <laughs> Presumably the cat in question then made it rain as revenge. There you are. Okay, seven, well. Seven superstitions about cats. I'm going to tell you seven words um, that were originally in the Urban Dictionary, which became sort of real words. Or right, okay. they're on the way to becoming real words, okay? I think I'm just going to do something else for the matter. <laughs> oh, what was the other thing you wanted me to do? The oh, the Bob di- one. <laughs> yeah, the that's, Bob why one. I, that's why I specifically said seven things each. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Um, guys, we will do some Dirt Urban Dictionary as a bonus for you lovely patrons, okay? Yeah, um, yeah that's, what we'll do. that's what we'll do. If you're not a patron, sign up, and that's the kind of wonderful things you get. <laughs> Um, okay, so I'm going to talk about seven businesses that you probably didn't know were controlled by the mafia. Yeah, I love mob so, stuff. Big fan. Yeah, a big fan of mobs. Um, I do like a mob. Okay, so the first thing is cheese. Cheese. Mm-hmm. Yes, according to Gavin Schmidt, author of the Milwaukee Mafia. Milwaukee. <laughs> Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, mm. The mob had a hand in the dairy industry. The Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> Almost done it again. The Milwaukee guys owned Grand Cheese, a national cheese producer and distributor. That business was then used for laundering money, and in the 1950s through the 1980s, it was strongly suspected of helping to import heroin, but nobody was ever charged. Uh, in fact, the business was started by the Mafia around 1940, and several shareholders were murdered before it began. There's still people who own it who were named by the FBI as being mob members, but it does seem to be like a legit business interest of theirs now. So it's still going. It's still mob-owned, but it seems to be one of the industries or one of the businesses that they actually run straight, Jack. Yeah, I think alongside cheese, there's some sort of seafood things that they ran as well. Like Maybe maybe we'll get to that on the list. Um, is it on the list? 
Kind of, kind of, right, but let's okay. not jump too far ahead. Sorry. Um, jukeboxes. What's your thoughts on going into a pub and finding a jukebox? Do you like it or do you hate it? Um, like the, the, the sort of Karen used to work in a place that had a digital jukebox and come the end of the night, it was all right. Like it, after you were sort of well-oiled. Mm-hmm. But generally it was just too loud and shit like and it kind of annoyed me but like I said once you had a few drinks and you were putting on maybe just the tunes that you wanted it was, it was yeah. alright but in, they should be locked until like an hour before shutting time <laughs> I've been in a pub with our friend David who we both know is an absolute music snob yeah. absolute music snob and me and him went up to the jukebox together and put a pound in and we had two songs each to pick I've never felt such pressure in my life. What did you um, pick? I I went I went one traditional and one silly. So I put on um, a Morrissey song. I think I put on First of the Gang to Die. And then I put on Technohead, I Want to Be a Hippie. Yes, yeah, see, that's the type of song that I'd, I would never mind at 11 o'clock at night. Something like that. <laughs> I would have loved it, man. I'd be like, right, okay, that's well worth the pound in the jukebox. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sort of until then. Not really, well, not really interested. So yeah, they're on jukeboxes, old mafia. Back yeah, apparently so. Yeah, this was another thing they were involved in back in the thirties. Uh, I got a business called Langsky. Um, his uh, fa- his family uh, dabbled in jukeboxes in the nineteen forties. Um, it's a distributing business in New York City, and uh, he was involved in the in the mafia. There's actually a documentary series on AMC, the American network, uh, uh-huh. called "The Making of the Mob," but it goes into this in a bit more detail and shows you exactly why they did it and how they did it. Might watch um, this the same guy, Lansky, um, his grandfather was also in the record business as right. they supplied the LPs for the machines. <laughs> that's pretty handy. Um, yeah, so that, that's very mafia, isn't it? Getting involved in all stages of the of the scam, making money not only in the jukeboxes but in the people filling the jukeboxes as well. Yeah. Um, this actually took another step on. In the 1980s, some mafia members purchased record pressing plants, Jack. And they would make copies of the real LPs and then sell them at bargain basement prices. Like getting so, your own tapes at the government market or whatever. <laughs> that's yeah, it. Try to, re- try to record the chat, the charts on the radio. Oh, aye. But they were putting it right um, onto vinyl. That's it, yeah. Uh, chemicals. Uh, Milwaukee again. Guy. Uh, <laughs> this, that can't be right. Um, but, all right, okay, it can be right. I thought this was a person's name, but it's not. No, no, he's de- the guy that owns the place isn't called... <laughs> Dell Chemical, that's the name <laughs> of the thing that the mob okay. owned, I think. Right, right. I just scanned that there and that's how I read it. Milwaukee right. owned Dell Chemical. And, wow, you're called Dell Chemical? You work in chemicals? I know. Um, but no yeah, they sold chemicals to um, yeah. municipalities throughout the Wisconsin, Nevada and various other places. And it was a simple scan, scam, sorry. They overcharged by 10%. And then um, what they did was they paid this 10% back to the mayor as a kickback. Not only illegal, but also encouraged mayors to buy more chemicals in a city needed. Yeah. Um, because the bigger the purchase, the bigger the kickback. I think the next um, one's pretty sort of well known, but maybe not. Uh, yeah, I think it is the uh, Hollywood, basically uh, Chicago right. Mafia, best known as the outfit, um, maybe based in Chicago, but their power was strong all the way to Tinseltown. Um, they became partial owners of a movie studio and even worked their way into motion picture labour unions, like the one for stagehands. Um, back in 1943, the outfit was involved in trying to extort the movie industry, and several of its members, including Paul the waiter Rika, were sent to jail, even though he managed to walk after just three years of a long sentence for being involved in it all. But yeah, involved in um, 
Tinseltown. I wonder if they if they got involved in that, Jack, not just for the money, but to try and influence how they were portrayed on screen. Yeah, I'm again. I don't know. This is just going off my memory, but I'm pretty sure the some somebody was involved in writing something. That's just such an in-depth sentence I've said there. Somebody was involved in writing <laughs> something. Um, but I, I, thought, I think... It's I hard to argue it. with it. It's factually correct. Um, it's factually correct. So, <laughs> fuck you. But yeah, um, something to do with the, the ins and outs. And said, oh, don't put... Maybe in The Godfather, don't put that in. Or whatever. Okay. Don't don't put that bit in. But, yeah. Makes maybe sense. Maybe it was in The Godfather. Maybe it was something else. Um, so, the mafia-owned bars and restaurants are nothing new. But um, the mafia in New York, I think a, a guy called Vito in particular, uh, got involved <laughs> in the gay bar scene uh, back in right. the 60s. Um, a bar or restaurant that served gay customers was deemed as a disorderly house at the time. And state liquor authorities uh, authorities often refused licenses to gay bars and they revoked licenses to places that served gay customers alcohol. Um, the Genovese crime family saw an opportunity to make money on this. Yeah. And basically started setting up establishments that catered for that part of society. Um, they felt they were cheaply run. They served relatively weak drinks. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of um, hygiene practices that went on behind the bar, apparently. But they tapped into that market. Um, yeah, because that's Stonewall Inn. Um, they, they were part. What to do with that? That's a really famous place in the sort of the history of gay rights and stuff like that. It was the Stonewall Inn? So I never knew the never knew the mafia had anything to do with that. So that's reasonably. Interesting. We'll wrap it up with the one that. Yeah, I'll just quickly, just quickly on the gay bars and clubs uh, one. I'll just mention another scam that I know about, which isn't mafia ran, but it's ran by most pubs in Glasgow and probably beyond Glasgow, Britain, probably, is condom machines and toilets, Jack. No, okay. Which is basically the scam is that every condom machine in a toilet is broken. They're all broken. You put your two pound in, and you do not get your condoms. And the reason is that it keeps your money and they don't care because nobody is going to go up to the bar in a busy pub and say, I've just tried to buy condoms and the machine's not working. Right, okay. So you so think... Be... Is that just a theory it's... of yours? No, I've never bought um, condoms in a toilet before. Um, the, the machine's always broken. They sell like um, vibrators no. and stuff now. They, 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 well. they sell vibrators and, and cock rings and all that. You're definitely and, um, no saying here, I want my cock ring, I just aye, got a fiver in there. Exactly. So they never sell That's... any of these things. They just have broken machines, people put money in when they're drunk, and it's broken, but they're too embarrassed to go and moan about it. But, Easy money. Yep, I can actually get behind that. I think every now and again you come up with a wacky theory, mate. But I, that one, <laughs> that one works for me definitely. Yeah. Uh, I, I like how a mafia article you, you said wacky, um, but yeah, no, the wacky. last one <laughs> I get whacked. Um, fishing. So according to Schmidt, again the Milwaukee Mafia, um, who might have been one of the most innovative uh, people in organised crime, they owned the Margaret L, the world's largest tuna fishing boat in the seventies. It was purchased with stolen mobsters' money and um, they used it to go out and catch tuna and sell tuna and make a lot of money. And it also ties in nicely to their threat of if you messed with them, Jack, you'd be swimming with the fishes. Yeah, so basically they were the supplier, supplier of the fish and protect the, ran the protection rackets of the people that were buying fish. So yeah. it was like, you need to buy tuna, you better buy this fucking tuna. Don't you buy any other fucking tuna? Don't you? Don't you buy any other tuna? Um, you get a tuna out of me. 
Aye, exactly. There was another. It might not have been tuna. Let's just call it like a, a fancy or a caviar, or fish eggs, right? Let's just say that. And um, the New York mayor tried to ban the shelling of these like caviar because he knew it was fish ran. But within a month, um, he revoked the thing. The the law one because people were complaining about it. They liked uh, the rich people liked the caviar or whatever. And two, um, he really missed it as well. <laughs> Oh no! He was like, "Oh, I really like that stuff that I've banned." <laughs> so he decided to unban it, and the mafia were back selling their fish eggs or whatever. So, yeah, I think we'll wrap it up there, man. That's good enough. That sounds good, mate. Yeah, it's good. Good show. Enjoyed that. Um, learned some new stuff. Laughed at some stuff, and found out how clever the mafia was. So yeah, that's a good forty-five yeah. minutes to me. Um, if you as care, always, Jack. Sharing all that. <laughs> yes, you got to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just... uh, have a good one, folks. Thanks for listening. Colin, I personally don't think there's anybody still listening and if they are, they're pretty hardcore long-term memory fans and I would be expecting them to go and sign up to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash wrong-term memory or by clicking the link in the show notes. Absolutely. And if for whatever reason they can't do that and paying for content isn't their bag, they can still offer us continual support by leaving a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Mm-hmm.